Welcome to the Murthy teleconference series designed to benefit employers of foreign nationals. We would like to take this opportunity to remind you that the information you're about to receive is exclusive copyrighted material of the Murthy Law Firm. Accordingly, any unauthorized recording is prohibited by law and cannot be disseminated without our prior written permission. Without further ado, it is our pleasure and honor to introduce Attorney Sheila Murthy. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us for today's discussion. Let me also take the opportunity to wish everybody a very happy new year to you, your family, from all of us at the Murthy Law family. So today's topic is the I-9 process, which as you know, applies to all companies that hire any workers, not just foreign workers, but any workers in the United States. So if you're a company and you have employees, the I-9 process gets uh, is involved. We will also discuss the common pitfalls in completing the I-9 form and process and the issue about investigators because that's what many of you are concerned about, investigations uh, and the new I-9 form that's become effective since September of 2017. On its face, the I-9 process is deceptively simple. Anyone who has ever been an employee in the United States is probably familiar with the basic process that upon being hired, the new employee and the employer fill out a short form. The employee is then asked to present a document or two. And before I hand it over to Aaron, let me introduce to you our brilliant panel of attorneys who is available to speak to you today. And the reason I'm going to sp stop speaking, by the way, I'm not even sure I introduce myself. I'm Sheila Murthy, president and founder of the Murthy Law Firm. But because I have a little bit of a stuffy nose, I figured that Aaron Finkelstein, the managing attorney, will act as the moderator for today. Alyssa Klein, who's another brilliant attorney and a member of the Murthy Law Firm, is going to be on the panel along with Joel Janovich, who's another brilliant and creative attorney. And they will all discuss the I-9 issues with you today. Let me now hand it over to Aaron. Thank you, Sheila. So what is the I-9 form? Well, pursuant to the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986, affectionately referred to as IRCA, whenever a U.S. company hires a new employee, the company must verify the identity of the employment authorization of that worker. This is done by completing the I-9 process, which includes having the employee present one or more of the required documents uh, that are enumerated on the form that establish the identity and the work authorization of that person. So, Alyssa, is there anything else that the form does? Right. Well, ju and just to, you know, make it clear that it really does apply to virtually all workers, U.S. citizens, H-1B workers, L-2 spouses with EADs. It really doesn't make a difference. Everyone has to go through the I-9 process. However, there there is an exception. Um, the I-9 requirement does not extend to contractors or casual domestic work or for casual domestic work done in someone's home, such as a person who is hired on occasion to clean a house. Uh, the difference between a contractor and an employee falls beyond the scope of this teleconference, but one point we should quickly make is that you can't sidestep the I-9 requirement by simply labeling your workers as independent contractors. Well, this seems pretty straightforward. Um, but I think there are actually multiple detailed sections on the form and very specific requirements the employer must meet to make sure that they're in compliance with the I-9 requirements. So, Joel, why don't you tell me, how does an employer complete the form I-9 correctly? Sure, and, and actually it's, it's not just the employer. The employer's responsibility is going to be for, the employer is going to have responsibility for ver verifying that it's all done correctly, but part of it is actually done by the employee. 
So to start with, you've got three different sections of the Form I-9. Um, and depending on which section you're talking about, either the employee or the employer has to complete it accurately. Section one is to, completed by, to be completed by the employee. Um, and it asks for some basic information about the employee, including the person's immigration status. And by immigration status, we mean it could be non-immigrant, it could be a U.S. citizen, um, just kind of a general term. Uh, the Social Security number and the date of completion. The section must be completed by the first day of work, but it can, can be completed earlier provided that the employment offer has been made and accepted. Um, obviously, this, this does sound pretty straightforward, but there are some common pitfalls that we see. So employers should be mindful of a few things. Um, did the employee fa uh, fail to complete their biographical data? Did the employee fail to date and sign? Um, something to keep in mind, even if they date and sign it, but they date and sign it in the wrong place, that can be a violation. So you need to look out for that. Um, also, did the employee just simply fail to complete everything accurately? Okay. And so, Alyssa, uh, what should an employer do after the employee? Let's say the employee's done everything, they've completed it. What should an employer do after the employee completes Section 1? So the employer should review it, and, and if it looks incomplete or if there are some obvious errors there, the employer needs to go back to the employee to have it completed properly. Uh, ultimately, it, it is the employer who will be fined for the errors on the I-9 form, even if they seem like simple over, oversights. Um, but then after, once Section 1 is completed properly, uh, the employer would move on to Section 2. And this section asks for basic employee data, the employee's documentation data, and, and this is to verify identity and work authorization. And then, and then also there's a certification that the employer has to complete. And this can be done by the employer or the employer's authorized representative. Uh, the certification section asks for the first day of employment to be listed and for the employer or representative who completes that cert section two to insert some basic information and then sign and date. Uh, this section must be completed within three business days of the person's first day of employment. Well, thank you, Alyssa. And one thing, you know, at the end of this teleconference, I could see a bunch of people running back and checking their I-9 forms. I just want to be very clear. If you find an error on the I-9 form and you need to correct it, uh, whatever you do, do not backdate anything. Uh, backdating is very problematic. My recommendation, of course, would be to speak to an attorney, but at a minimum, make sure that you do it as a, we observed it, we found it, and we fixed it, rather than backdating anything. I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, but again, Alyssa, what you just said seems pretty straightforward, but as we've seen in investigations, there are some common errors that are made. Joel, can you give us some example of, of common errors? Yeah, so one thing we've seen, uh, just as an example, in order to complete Section 2, the employer needs to present the employee with a list of A, B, and see documents which are acceptable. Um, and it, it, it shows which documents are acceptable to establish identity and work authorization for the employee. So the list A documents on their own are enough to uh, verify both identity and work authorization. If you don't have a list A document, if, they, if the employee doesn't provide a list A document, they can otherwise pre present a list B document, which shows which uh, is used for identity, and a list C document, which is for uh, verifying your employment authorization. Um, and there are a number of factors that the employers need to keep in mind uh, to make sure that this is done accurately. First, the employer, the employer needs to make sure that whoever it is that's completing the, the section reviews the original documents provided in person. Um, this is required. So if your company is located in Virginia and you're hiring an employee that's going to be working off-site, let's say, in California, 
you may not personally see him in person, but someone needs to, a representative of the company. Uh, it is permissible for you to, to use an authorized representative. It doesn't even have to be an employee of the company um, to carry out the I-9 verification process for the employer. The employer should still make sure, of course, that the rep representative is adequately trained on the Form I-9 because ultimately it's the employer's responsibility and the employer is going to be the one liable if anything is done incorrectly. Thank you, Joel. Uh, Alyssa, now we've seen some common oversights and issues that have come up that uh, can infer, that can incur fines and uh, penalties for different, for employers. Uh, can you give me an example of some? Sure. So it, it's very important when <clears throat> working with the list A, B, and C documents that whoever is, is completing this for the employer is familiar with the documents. Um, and it's also important to remember that the employer cannot demand specific documents from employees. So if <clears throat> the A, B, and C list is presented to the employee and the, the employee sees that the documents presented by the employer insufficient, the employer needs to go back to that employee. So they have to be familiar with the list and know what documents work and what don't. So they can provide that list again and ask the employee to give them acceptable documents from the list. Um, and then, it, but again, you can't say, give me a specific document. Um, <clears throat> also, if <clears throat> in addition to not asking for specific items, the employer also can't select documents if the employee provides more documents than what is required. Okay, um, But finally, the employer must ac accept any of the documents from the list of acceptable documents. And if they don't do that, it, it could amount to a form of unlawful discrimination. And Alyssa, where do you find the ABC list? Because that's the list that the employer is using to verify for I-9 purposes. Where do people find that? Right. So that is uh, page three of the I-9. And there's also uh, I-9 Central is, is a resource on the USCIS's page, which has, which has that as well as the employer handbook. Um, but some examples of documents from lists from the different lists. The, the list A documents, the, those are the documents that are going to establish both your identity and work authorization. So uh, an obvious example of that is going to be a U.S. passport or your I-551 uh, permanent resident card, better known as a green card. That's going to establish both your identity and your ability to work in the U.S. Um, if an, a, instead of using a document, they're going to use a list B document, which is used to verify your identification, you can use something like a state driver's license. Um, not all driver's licenses um, are going to meet the, the federal requirements, but if you're from one of the states that does have, meet those requirements, you can use a driver's license for a list B document. Um, if you use a list B document, if the employee uses a list B document, of course, they're going to also have to pr present a list C document, which separately verifies their employment authorization. So an example of that would be a social security card, provided that that social security card does not include a restriction indicating that a separate work authorization is required. Um, so for instance, instead, you may use an EAD uh, employment authorization document for a list C document. Okay, so Joe, just so that I'm understanding, essentially you're saying it's the lists are A, B, and C, which Alyssa's already explained. We can find it in the I-9 form. Once you get the list, A is a document that's a standalone document. You're good to go. But B and C, those lists, you have to combine one from B and one from C to make it work. That's, that that's correct? absolutely correct. And again, you cannot tell the employee what they have to provide. It's entirely up to them. You're just pre presenting them the list, and then the employee is going to decide which document or documents they're going to provide from that list. Okay. Another issue that comes up 
is that employees' first day of employment is not listed or that the certification and, and Section 2 are not completed on time. Again, even if there are oversights, <coughs> excuse me, even if there are oversights, these are still violations and they are subject to fines. Section 3 is only used for purposes of re-verifying employment authorization and for existing employees. Re-verification is much more common. So, Alyssa, let's take a look at that for a moment. Can you walk us through that? Sure. So, you know, especially for employers who uh, have non-immigrant employees, they're going to be using Section 3 much more often for re-verification than for rehires. Um, the re-verification uh, must be completed no later than the last day of the person's work authorization. Uh, so for, for the vast majority of foreign national workers, such as those in H-1B or working based on EAD, uh, re-verification is probably common practice to your company. The first time you re-verify an employee, the existing I-9 may be used to complete Section 3. And for all subsequent re-verifications, you can use Section 3 on a, an additional I-9 form. When you do complete Section 3, the worker, the employee, must present evidence of work authorization, but they don't have to re-verify their identity. So they're permitted to present any document from List A or List C. Okay, but unfortunately, from the employer's perspective, there's much more to the process uh, than initially completing the Form I-9 correctly, especially when employees are foreign nationals with temporary work authorization, such as H-1B status. Uh, Joel, can you tell me some common questions that come up? Yeah, um, some of the questions we hear a lot are, um, do I have to redo the I-9 process every time an H-1B employee status is extended? Uh, which documents do I have to keep on record? How long do I have to keep those documents on record? Um, and what do I do if a representative from the U.S. Department of Labor or, or DOL or the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, the, the DHS, what if they come to my office and they ask to see their records, what should I do? Um, so for companies that employ H-1B workers, there are two situations that are likely to encounter relatively frequently that where they have special I-9 requirements. Um, one is the 240-day extension of work authorization based on a timely filed extension of H-1B status. Uh, the other situation is where the employment of an H-1B worker, where you, you employ an H-1B worker after a change of employer petition has been filed but before it's approved. Alyssa, can you elaborate a little bit on that, please? Sure. So as many employers know, an H-1B worker can continue to work for up to 240 days beyond the I-94 expiration date with the same employer based upon a timely petition requesting an extension of status. When this occurs in the additional information field in Section 2 of the H-1B worker's I-9, the employer should write 240-day extension and then enter the date the extension was filed. Uh, the employee may then update Section 1 by crossing out the expiration date of their employment authorization, writing in the new date, which would be 240 days beyond the current I-94 expiration. And then lastly, once the extension is approved, the employee should go through the re-verification requirements of Section 3. Okay, and as for the H-1B change of employer, the worker typically may begin working uh, upon the filing of the petition. Yeah, this is pretty common in, in, uh, in the industries that we've been working with. And so the I-9 still has to be completed, even though they don't have that approved petition yet. Um, since there's no set expiration date yet, the employment generally may continue indefinitely until the petition is either approved or denied. Um, and what the employee should, the employer should do is write AC21 and the date the petition was filed with the addition, in the additional information field in Section 2. 
Um, the H-1B employees form I-94 issued for employment with the previous employer, along with the person's foreign passport, would qualify as acceptable documentation to verify both their identity and their work authorization. Okay, now, Alyssa, I'm going to move on. I'm going to change subjects a little bit. I know that there's been a recent update to the I-9 form, and so a lot of people are wondering, has anything changed based on that, or if there's anything else the employer should be aware of with the new with the new form and how it's come out? Sure. So the uh, newest version of the I-9, the July 17, 2017 version, was mandatory to use as of September 18, 2017. So substantively, make you know the requirements of the ABC docs, completing things timely, completing things correctly and completely. That that hasn't changed, um, but there are just a few things to to be aware of. Um, there have been some revisions made to the acceptable documents, which again is on page three of the form. Um, the handbook should be reviewed to make sure that the employer knows that they're completing it accurately. Um, but some probably some of the most important points to make is one: be sure to use the right version of the form using the old version is something that, again, an employer can be liable for, they, they can be fined for that. Um, and then for re-verification for, and rehires, even if you have an older version of the I-9 and you haven't used Section 3, if you are going to do that moving forward, you do need to complete it on the new version of the, of the Form I-9. Um, and then the other thing to keep in mind is there is an electronic version of the Form I-9. Um, again, I mentioned it earlier, but it's a, a great resource to go to USCIS's website to go to the I-9 Central, where all of these items are available. Now, thank you, Alyssa. Now, Joel, I-9 compliance surely goes beyond the completion of forms, though. Uh, there's also I-9 retention requirements that employer must comply with. Can you talk a little bit about the retention requirements and what the burden is? Yeah, so the basic rule of thumb that employers should remember is that they need to retain the I-9 records for three years from the date the worker is hired or for one year beyond the date uh, that the employment ends, whichever is later. Um, the I-9 records can be retained in various forms, including paper, microform, which is microfilm or microfish. Obviously, I, I don't think many companies use that anymore, but it's still available, um, or more commonly, electronically. Um, and there are specific requirements for each type of record retention system. Um, we don't have time to go to, into all these in detail, so we might recommend that you review the I-9 Handbook for Employers, or uh, it's called M274, M like Mary 274, that's published by the USCIS. It explains in detail what must be done to meet the retention requirements for each system. Um, as a note, the USCIS website has a great resource for employers, uh, I-9 Central, I think Alyssa may have mentioned that earlier, where they can find tools such as the current version of the I-9 form, educational tools, and of course this handbook. And don't forget Murthy.com, of course. <laughs> of course. Alyssa, is there anything else? Sure. So, you know, if an employer is... Uh, maintaining records electronically, this is something to keep in mind. But an employer always has to have their documents ready for inspection by the government. Um, so even if it's electronic, you should be able to produce it. Uh, by law, representative, a representative of the DHS, DOL, or U.S. Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division immigrant and employee rights section may inspect I-9 documents, and the government only needs to provide a three days notice for these records. Oh my goodness, Joel, so what do you do if you get such a request? 
Well, okay, so it really depends. If you're being proactive, if you're taking the steps to make sure that your I-9 records are done properly, you shouldn't have much to worry about. And we do strongly recommend that you proactively, before anyone comes to investigate, that you do an audit. You can, we do provide that service, or you can certainly, if you know what you're doing, do it on your own. But we have found it so often that people make errors with the I-9s that if you do this proactive audit on your own, I believe Alyssa and Aaron mentioned this earlier, the government looks much more favorably where you make an error and then you find it without investigation and then you make the the appropriate uh, corrections. Um, It shows you're working in good faith. Um, obviously, if, if you are invest, if you do have a visit, you probably should notify your immigration attorney to make sure they're aware of what's going on. If the government finds that your records are all in order, then you should be able to rest easy at night. Yeah, and again, you know, this is such a short notice period. Um, if a company has any concerns about their I-9 forms and records, absolutely go ahead and do an internal audit and take any remedial actions to correct their records now before they're visited. Yeah, and it's it's also very interesting. You know, I know we're short on time, so we're gonna um, Sheila, I'm gonna hand back to you to wrap up. But what's very interesting is even in times where we're invited, we're hired to do audits for people, and we do the audit and we go through and we make recommended changes and they do things. You know, our audits, of course, are you know you know are fantastic. But if something changes or something develops or something happens where they find somebody that's out of compliance. The fact that people made a good faith effort to get things straight and to do it right helps them very much from any type of negative finding from penalties and from consideration and also helps to open the door for remedial activities. Uh, Well, thank you very much, and Sheila. So, as as you all know, we do work with clients who contact us after they receive an official I-9 records request by investigators where the records are less than perfect. We work to help companies mitigate the damage and start working towards proper compliance. But there is simply no substitution from taking the required steps ahead of time to avoid the huge fines and penalties that can easily be avoided as long as you do the I-9 properly. In short, the employer's good faith efforts to comply or to come into compliance following violations is going to be looked upon more favorably by the government over a company that does not dot all the I's and cross the T's and does not take care about compliance until the government has already showed up at your doorstep to investigate the case. With that, we thank you so much for joining us at today's teleconference. Thank you to our attorneys for participating. And again, on behalf of all of us at the Murthy Law Firm, we wish you and yours a wonderful 2018. May good luck and good success and good fortune come to you. And we look forward to continuing to work with you in 2018 and beyond. Thank you very much.